Hi, I'm Dina, teacher and reluctant puppeteer turned host of La Bifana's Table, a podcast dedicated to the art of sacred hospitality. For each week, listeners are invited to feast on real-life stories of hope and healing, as well as soul-nourishing conversations with folks from all walks of life who are utilizing their gifts in both small ways and large to make the world a more beautiful place. So pull up a seat, tell some friends, and become a part of a legendary story. Welcome back to another episode of Wapip on His Table. I'm your host, Dina Gregory, and today I'm sharing a conversation with you in honor of Jazz Appreciation Month and Jazz Appreciation Day, which is coming up on April 30th. Today, I have a very special guest. Her name is Vanessa Racci, also known as the Jazzy Italian. Vanessa is a singer, producer, voice teacher with over 25 years of professional performance experience. She offers a range of shows that span jazz, theater, and Italian-American music genres with unique show production, edutainment, and a distinct retro image. Having grown up surrounded by a lot of jazz, my conversation with Vanessa was just a pleasant reminder of the gift of communing with another old soul who loves music. In this episode, we discuss how her Italian roots influence her music. She also shares her journey in letting go of the golden handcuffs to pursue passion for singing. So jump in. Back when a nigga would buy a jug jigger of respectable rye, all the players and the honky tonks would have to work on a slide. I want to, was not to a few, some steady bitch ways to. Then the word of mouth spread around the south, very other new. You better take that chess band ball, cause it's a ball of them all. All five musicians in a small saloon reinventing the ragtime tune. Well, they made up their own brand without a note up on the stand. So I grew up with my Italian-American grandfather, and he lived in the basement apartment. And he was mm-hmm. Barese from Puglia. And I'm a millennial, but I grew up with him. And he was born in 1913. Mm-hmm. And he used to play all of the music that he grew up with. Like, you made me love you. I didn't want to do it. Like, And I knew all these songs from like 1913 to 1950. <laughs> and it was kind of different than most millennials. I was definitely an outlier. I was definitely... <laughs> Um, but um, what was wonderful about that is that he taught me a lot of Italian-American music and it started my interest in learning Italian and also jazz. Like he introduced me to jazz. I just didn't realize it at the time like because he used to play uh, Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, Jerry Vale, like all those classic crooners throughout the house and mm-hmm. Connie Francis. Connie Francis is not jazz, but but she taught me a lot of the Italian-American songs. And so I grew up in in that environment and I had always been a singer since the age of four. I did professional theater at the age of 12. So I grew up in musical theater, which is mm. also a lot of older music, right? You know? Yeah. yeah. 
um, it's wonderful. It's, you know, it's delightful. It's delicious. It's lovely. Like, I love all that old, old music. Um, when I turned 18, I, my parents asked me, what do you want to do with your life? And I said, well, I want to be a singer. That's what I'm great at it. I had always mm. been leads in all of the shows and I did professional theater, off-Broadway theater, and then won a Helen Hayes Award for my role as Christine in Phantom. And with, so when they asked me what I wanted to do with my life, I was like, well, duh, I want to be a singer. That's what I'm really good at. And so they had said, oh, well, you know, you are really good at that, but that's not a real job. That's just a hobby. And I was like, what do you mean it's just a hobby? <laughs> and so they pushed me to go to school for business because, you know, they were very traditional Italian-American and they didn't believe that the arts was a stable career and they didn't want to see me be a starving artist. Right. So. Right. I went to uh, to school for business and I wound up having a career in, I got my first job at an advertising agency at McCann Erickson in New York City, which is a really great place to work. But a couple of years into it, you know, I wasn't singing and I felt like there was something missing from my life. And so I started to sing with a jazz trio simultaneously. So I started touring with the trio while I was working at McCann Erickson. Then I decided I wanted to do something special and really like leave my my mark in the jazz world and do something that was, you know, close to home versus just singing standards the way everybody else sings standards. Mm. So my grandfather had passed away and I had decided that I wanted to revive the old Italian classics he taught me with jazz arrangements. So that brings together my Italian world and my jazz world. And that mm. gave birth to my first album, Italiano Fresca, which means fresh Italian. And this is my debut album in 2017. All the while I had transitioned from advertising to marketing and I got a job at PepsiCo. And I was moving up the ladder and launching an album and touring the country. And it wound up doing great things for me. I performed at all the Italian-American festivals, really started to get to know people in the Italian-American community, performed at the Columbus Citizens Foundation, at the Columbus Day Parade on the main stage and all of these events. So it was, you know, it really took me places. And then the pandemic hit and I had made, made my way up to marketing executive at PepsiCo. I was managing a team of people. And the pandemic just made me take a long, hard look at my life because in 2019, right before it hit, I was managing people, a director of marketing at PepsiCo, which is a lot of work. It's not a nine to five. It's like a nine to eight mm -hmm. and and like performing every other weekend, sometimes traveling to California, to Florida, to Chicago, to New Orleans. My husband was like, are you going to pay attention to me one day? You know? <laughs> so I was like, you know what? I think I need to make a change. And I just couldn't bear the thought of, you know, stopping singing. Mm -hmm. So I said, you know what? I think I'm going to leave corporate America and just put my all into my art. And I did. I left a very stable six-figure salary, the golden handcuffs, they say. Yeah. And, and I left. And the same year, I was working on my new project, this Jazzy Italian, which I finally launched in October 2022 because it, it took a while it was very hard to get in a studio during the pandemic for one reason or another. And this was kind of a second iteration of my theme for the first album, where I shed light on all the Italian-American contributions to jazz in the United States. Mm. Because a lot of people don't know, if I go through my list in the back of songs, that the very first recorded jazz song in history was by a Sicilian-American, Nick La Roca, and he recorded that song. It was first called uh, Tin Roof Blues, I believe. And that gave birth to a string of Italian-Americans kind of following suit. And that's why we're very steeped in jazz as a culture. 
So Nick came from Sicily. His family came from Sicily and they lived and worked in New Orleans in the same neighborhoods as the black population in New Orleans. And they Mm -hmm. often formed jazz bands together and performed together. And so I think that's because I always wondered, like, why are Italians so steeped in jazz? And I think that's where it comes from. Wow. And that gave birth to people like Louis Prima and Harry Warren, who was originally Salvatore Antonio Guarania. He wrote like 800 songs in the in the jazz standard book. He wrote uh, September in the Rain, At Last, Chattanooga Choo Choo, Jeepers Creepers, like the list goes on and on. Mm-hmm. Louis Prima was a writer for Sunday Kind of Love. He also wrote Sing, 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 Jump, Jive and Whale. So anyway, I was like, you know what? I have to make this into an album and a show. And it was successful. And so I decided I'm going to record this. And here we are. That's my journey. <laughs> That's beautiful. And for you embarking on this full, full time, how does that, what is the feelings that are coming, arising with that, that you're saying like, yeah. I'm, I'm doing this? <laughs> well, at first it was really scary. And I also had never been dependent on a man for money. <laughs> so it was really weird for my husband, because my husband and I had a long talk and we said, he's like, I can cover the expenses until you figure things out and get on your feet. And I just felt really weird to me. Like, like I've never been in that sort of construct where I have to be like, okay, can I spend this much money? (laughs) And he kept saying, you don't have to ask me. I was like, yeah, but it's your money. He's like, it's our money. And I was like, huh. And it was very hard for me to like wrap my head around. Right. Because we're, (laughs) we've also grown up in the like independent woman is the way to be. And then you're like, how do I negotiate all of these things and follow dreams? And that's kind of the beauty of it though, too. So that was the weirdest thing for me, just not calling it his money versus my money. Because honestly, we've been married for eight years, but I had, I still had a separate checking account. He had his own checking account. <laughs> we had it like merge things. So there's something nice about merging it. Like it really feels like we're more of a family, which is kind mm-hmm. of cool. And, you know, it was scary at first, but, you know, the more I put into it and the more time I could give it, the more it was coming back. Like I started booking more and more gigs and meeting more and more people that led to more and more connections. And I now I teach voice. And so that's a supplementary income as well. So now I'm not as worried. Like I'm like, okay, but it took six months to kind of get it going. (laughs) I would Mm -hmm. say I would love to just know like some of what are some of your favorite songs uh, to sing and like, you know, especially (laughs) these crazy days, like now, you know, how do people like turn to music and jazz in a, in a way that's like, this is a, an important aspect of life that we really need to cultivate and share? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's so much to unpack in jazz. It's not mm-hmm. like a simple melody or a simple lyric. And I think it's peeling back the onion that is what really draws people to it. Because every time you listen, you hear more and more. And every time you know, the case for me, every time I sing yeah. a jazz song, like if I've sung the same jazz song for 10 years, I'm discovering new things about it, even though I sing it now. And I think it's probably that enduring quality that draws us to it. Like it never gets old because there's always more to discover. <laughs> <laughs> that's really, yeah, that's, you know, it's the same, I guess, in similar ways of, you know, when you read a book and you read it multiple times and, uh, you, and you come at it at a different point in life and you're like, oh, Now I know what they were like. I've lived through that experience. There's like a ripening and you're like, oh, now I know what what that one means. Yeah, Um, absolutely. I did a a Prohibition jazz show in October and I really love singing Night and Day. 
Ella Fitzgerald version. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One of my faves. And that's another song that like the more and more you sing it, the more like for me, I get obviously better at singing it because I understand more about it, you know, mm-hmm. from a melodic perspective and also from a lyrical perspective. In terms of your focus on like bringing out, you know, the, the Italian-American aspect of knowing that there were so many Italian-American contributions to jazz yes. for you, how is that an, like an important piece of the yes. of the puzzle for you. Absolutely. Because I feel like Italian Americans don't get enough credit for the contributions to jazz. And I think it's because Nick LaRocca kind of shot himself in the foot and he's in um the nineteen twenties he like claimed he single handedly started jazz, which pissed off a lot of people, including the entire black population. <laughs> yeah. But like nobody can single handedly create yes. a music genre. No. So maybe that's why it's like not talked about because that was controversial. Mm-hmm. But I think if we talk about it in the right way, where it's like we were both an oppressed population at the time and lived and worked in the same neighborhoods and made music together. Like that's I think the truer story. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And, and that yeah, I mean this is, you know, we sometimes want to be like culture here and culture here. And but like there's when people come together under there are certain conditions there are new things that are created and uh, absolutely and absolutely. you can't help but be influenced by you know yeah. that, i think that's the beauty and that's at least a lot of my aspiration here with Wabafana's table is to bring different people together who are you know sharing beauty in the world you know whether that is through music jazz uh the other day i spoke with michaela who's sharing you know with the folkloric musical traditions yes, i love michaela um, i know her yes <laughs> yeah and so and then people from all walks of life and what happens when when we kind of come together in those ways and there were so many italian americans who contributed to jazz and that's why i wanted to put this together like like i mentioned louis prima nick LaRocca, henry mancini he wrote a lot of film scores and jazz scores for film, such as the Pink Path Panther, like da 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 yeah, it's a jazz song. He wrote Moon River, which is still mm-hmm. you know popular today from Breakfast at Tiffany's. Chick Corea, a lot of people don't know he was a Calabrese. He was Italian American, grew up in Boston. A lot of his music is Latin jazz, but he was Italian American, and so I included a song of his on the album Harry Warren. I mentioned. He's probably going to be my my third album is going to be an ode to Harry Warren because he just had so much in his repertoire that I could do a whole album on him. Domenico Modugno, Dean Martin. Who else do I have on here? Lesser names. Oh, Guy Lombardo. A lot of people don't know that Guy Lombardo popularized, he and his siblings popularized Old Lang Syne for the ball drop. And they did a live broadcast for half a century on radio and then moving to TV when TV was invented and were very much involved in jazz as as a family. And then more modern jazz is like John Pizzarelli. I don't know if you heard the Pizzarelli family, but his... No, um, I'm his, gonna, I, your album is going to be like my intro and I'm going to yes. go down another rabbit hole. So I feel like... Italian you know, jazz education. <laughs> yeah, Italian jazz education. You know, and I'm, you know, La Bufana's Table is currently residing in Harlem. So I have, oh, you know, I am... Oh, wonderful. <laughs> so we'll, we will have to have you come and we'll do a little... Uh, we're gonna. I'm going to be doing some La Bufana's Table, like live kind of more intimate events. We'll have to do that. Absolutely. Um, Oh, but the Pizzarelli family, just really quick on that. Like, Bucky Pizzarelli, unfortunately, he just passed during the pandemic, but he was a very famous guitarist. He was in uh, Jazz Guitarist, and he was in Frank Sinatra's band. 
And I had the the rare opportunity to sing with him playing. And he was so sweet. And he was like in his 90s, still gigging. And he said, I don't, I don't you don't need to pay me. I'll, I'll play for pasta. And we, he was so encouraging and sweet. And but his son, John, is continuing the family legacy. Um, and he has a lot of jazz songs that he performs in, in film. And so you'll see them like, I can't remember what movies his music is in, but it's in so many. I should look that up. And uh, the Pizzarelli family has been continuing the legacy of jazz for for centuries. So that's amazing to kind of bring those stories forth through your own curiosity of that. Now, do you also write? I do. I actually have an original on my, on my one original. I snuck one in there. All right. <laughs> and what is the balance for you in terms of like, because there you seem like you definitely have that preserving, right? Like there's that S you know, taking what is already very timeless kind of music and bringing it because it still has the same message, right? Like there are actual timeless things that are just speak to the human condition, yes. speak to all of our, you know, our longings yes. for love and all the the themes that it, it goes across. So for you as an as an artist, is there how much have you gone down the path of your own original music and how much do you really feel like, oh, I really want to preserve and and then yeah. interpret and share. It's more my mission to preserve. I want to, like my, I do lots of different jazz shows, but my main mission and my albums focus on preserving Italian-American contributions to music and jazz in, in the U.S. And I just mm-hmm. want to keep that alive for future generations. And it's, I think it's working. Like the proudest moment for me is when I've got little six-year-olds at my shows singing the songs to the, to, on my album. And I'm like, this is exactly what I do this for, to pass it down to the next generation. I really love that because I, I do see like some of the people that I've talked to, I'm like, there's definitely this theme of preservation and like, yes. what is, what are we looking back towards and making sure that that comes forward into the future, you know, and, and how are we presenting it and making it accessible? Yeah. So yes, for, for someone who's listening, who's maybe did not grow up in a jazz household or a, maybe they're not of Italian, you know, I, a lot of non Italian American listeners as well. What's the hook for them? Where do they enter into this story? And, and yeah, it? I mean, it's just good music. Like, yeah. <laughs> you're going to like it. If you like music and good music, you're going to love it. I actually partnered with Stephen Feifke, who's a jazz composer and also teacher at Berkeley. He studied at the New School and he's toured with Stephen Tyrell, who's another, another Italian-American jazz singer, Veronica Swift, um, a lot of big jazz names out there. So he really puts like a modern jazz spin on it. So it's not just preserving like Italian-American music and Italian-American contributions to jazz, but it's like jazz in general and Mm. keeping America's first great art form, you would say, right, is jazz. Right. Keeping that alive for future generations with new, fresh arrangements that really attract people. It's like faster tempos, Latin jazz, like Uh anybody that listens to it will will like it because it's just quality. And for you as you, how much was music part of family life? Oh, it's actually funny. It wasn't like that prevalent because I'm kind of the only singer in the family. Like no one, mm. my sister plays piano, but we were the first generation to really pursue it. 
my grandfather would like listen to it in the house, but you know, he did, nobody actually was doing it. <laughs> there's got, you, I wonder, like, where does the sing? There's someone in your lot, you know, that like, who are the closeted singers of the, in your ancestral line that <laughs> I, there must be. I mean, my, my dad and my grand, my grandpa on my dad's side, like, they always liked to sing, but it was never serious. You know, they would just sing around. Oh, so let me go. Yeah. Um, they didn't know half the words of the song. They would just be like, yeah, <laughs> Which, you know, that's that serves a purpose, too. <laughs> but my I learned this too late, unfortunately, because he had passed away before uh, before I learned this. But my grandfather's first cousin was Tony Matola, who was related to the infamous Tommy Matola, who yeah. married to Mariah Carey. And he was a very famous jazz guitarist. He was in the Tonight Show Orchestra. He also toured with Frank Sinatra and had many, many successful albums and concerts. And anyway, I would have loved to meet him, but my grandpa always said, my cousin's a guitarist. He didn't say it was pulling the toilet. And because it was like the... Um, They're like details. Uh, uh. Yeah, because they lived in New Jersey and we weren't as close to that side of the family. But I mean, like, if I knew that, I would have loved to meet him and introduce myself. I'm a jazz singer. Maybe we would have collaborated. Who, who knows? But whatever. But that just shows like the type of person my grandfather was. He was very simple. He was a carpenter. And he didn't mm-hmm. understand the music world, much like, you know, my fam- the rest of my family. And so he's like, yeah, he's a guitarist. But I'm like, the legendary Tony Matola, hello. <laughs> Just like no idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's funny. That's amazing. I wanted to ask, are you planning on touring? Where are we taking this album and how do people, how do people get to see you, get to know you more? Absolutely, yes. So... Yes, I'm touring. <laughs> and uh, you can go to my website at vanessaracci.com, V-A-N-E-S-S-A-R-A-C-C-I.com. And I have my show schedule there. You can also sign up for my mailing list to get alerts. So you're reminded when there's a show in your area because you can remember to continually go to my website. Or you can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. I don't really use Twitter or TikTok that much. I'm there, but I, but <laughs> I usually do all my posts on Instagram and Facebook, which is um, where a lot of people find out about my shows. So excited to introduce more people to you. And uh, yeah, we're going to have to get some jazzy days here because one of the my aspirations of, of creating La Bufana's Table as both a podcast and a community is to like, is to just gather people, you know, we're yeah. living in such crazy times and yeah. there are such very human things that we forget to do, like as forms of connection, whether that is like learning a song together and singing a jazz tune or just doing these things that that are healing and expressive and and connected. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I should introduce you to Charles Piazza because he actually, he's Italian-American and has a jazz club in Harlem. Oh, all right. Well, then there we <laughs> go. Well, that's, that's, yeah. the, that's the next person we'll invite to the table. Well, Vanessa, thank you so much for, for coming and, and chatting with us and sharing your story and your journey and your, and your gifts of, of jazz. And we can't wait to hang out with you more here. <laughs> yeah, me too. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And as a treat to all the listeners gathered around La Bifana's table, I thought I'd end this episode with a little clip of Vanessa's incredible rendition of classic song, Volat. Enjoy. Mi dipingevo le mani e lo fa 
Bufana's table. To get episodes sent direct to your inbox, as well as other perks such as access to our monthly community and connection hours, be sure to subscribe to my substack, dinagregory.substack.com. Ciao!